Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Vibrations of love. And some say love is a verb. But much deeper than that, love is a vibration. It is that energy that stirs the soul and opens up the heart. Vibrations of love call out to the divine that connects us with the beauty of life and the oneness of it all. I need not to say it with words, although it is always nice to hear, but greater still, Feel it. Vibrations of love lift me higher and I fill the empty spaces within the soul. It is the divine in its purest essence. It is me at the height of my being. I am vibrations of love.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Vibrations of Love, the latest track by myself and Grammy Award winner Ricky Cage. I hope today finds you in a good spirit and you're treating yourselves well and trying to weather the storm of the enormous amount of changes that are upon you, me, and just about the entire world. But what I do feel that these times are offering us is a chance to reflect and go deeper and make necessary adjustments, maybe do an ultimate life reset to kind of come into your next normal with things that you've always wanted to leave behind, actually. You didn't want to keep all that old stuff anyway, and why not let a pandemic help you to let go of a lot of things that you just didn't need? So how are you managing your feelings during these particular times? Our next guest, Karen Garvey, holds an MBA and is an intuitive speaker, author, and happiness coach who has helped thousands of people shift to higher states of fulfillment through her seminars, coaching sessions, books, and popular online course titled Happy in 90. Leaving the corporate world was a natural change after Karen experienced what was unfolding on 9-11 in 2001. Since she had been an hour from ground zero that day, she discovered that consciousness is not connected to the body. Over time, she mastered the ability to intentionally attune to non-physical sources of information. Karen makes regular media appearances as a guest expert on television, films, radio programs, and has been featured in many magazines. She has been a guest on Dr. Oz, PBS, and appeared in the film Love Begins With Me and Good Luck. Today we welcome Karen Garvey to the show. Welcome, Karen. Nice to have you. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. So many people were changed, you know, as a result of 9-11, and I think a lot of people are being changed now. So it's like two disasters. I don't know. It's kind of unusual. But it did devastate the world. And you actually made a major decision, Karen, to leave the corporate world as a result of your experience. In what way did it actually impact you? And what were your realizations around the whole genre of consciousness? Because consciousness is never really easy to define. I have to agree with you. Uh, I think it's one of the processes of life that eludes most of us from birth to death. What I can tell you that led to the moment that day is that I, like so many people, were trying to figure out how to move past pain of childhood. And I had always used education and academia and learning to accomplish anything. So I figured I would learn how to be happy, right? Why not? But I really didn't do anything to learn how to be happy. I would just observe happy people and make mental notes. So what happened on 9-11 is that my body was one place, and an hour away this very big unfolding was occurring, and I was experiencing it. So on that day, you know, within minutes, I was able to realize that I was present in that space, even though my body was somewhere else. But I also was getting information that was broader than what the announcers were reporting. So I realized that not only was I understanding something happening somewhere else, but I was also experiencing a narrative of the whys, almost like process of life. Why do things happen? Why do they occur? So on that particular day, even though most people who live in or around or about New York, we had major unfoldings of people and circumstances to manage for quite some time afterward, I found myself able to manage those events 
but from a place of peace instead of a place of chaos or drama or fear. And that was a surprise to me because my normal reaction to anything that happened that felt that it was out of my control was to go into panic mode. Tell us a little bit about what you mean when you said that you were getting information more than what the journalist or the media was getting on that particular day. What was that like? What were you experiencing? I made up this term, and what I do is I take the word no, K-N-O-W, and I just put a hard K on it just to distinguish what the knowingness is that comes from consciousness. Over time, when you get ideas that pop into your head or thoughts that are calm, that they are filled with optimism, they're filled with potentiality or creativity or freedom, they give you such a sense that this thought is irrefutable. No one will ever in my lifetime be able to disprove this. So that's what I was experiencing after 9-11. I had the phone ringing. I had just gotten back from a run, and the phone was ringing, so the first plane had hit the first tower at that moment. Someone told me to put the TV on, and I put it on, and I had this sense that what the reporter was suggesting wasn't true. Within an hour or so, I realized that what I knew was different and ahead and more accurate than what the journalist knew at the moment. So what wound up happening over time after that day is that I would receive events and experience events happening anywhere in the world, but then that narrative, that knowingness, I have to tell you, it felt like the news ticker at the bottom where you're listening to a reporter, but then there's something else going across the bottom. It was like a second bit of information coming in. And that was the narrative of almost the meaning of life, why we get into the tumbles we get into, why we're born, why things happen, why people intersect. And I have to tell you what's so interesting about it is that I had really zero spiritual belief system at that moment. And so all of my information about spirituality and consciousness came from direct connection. So now, in what way did that help you to navigate your life more? That tipping point for you where you began to trust deeper inner truth for you? Most definitely. Not even trust it, but find it, right? I think we tend to be externally driven until we're able to understand that there is an internal understanding that we can put more trust in or more surrender in. I would think what we're talking about is intuition. What intuition really brings for us is it helps us to become our most trusted authority and helps us to not become reliant on others who are supposing they are the experts. You know, there's a lot of expert information out there, but that bit inside of us helps us to discern the difference between information from an expert that's valuable and truthful and resonates and that which might be better off being discarded. So the global pandemic has had a significant impact on all our lives. What do you think is the lesson that is here to teach us? What I have seen, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, and I'm sure on some level you have, is that we really are in a period of accelerated enlightenment. And evidence is all around us. All we have to do is we have to just run back to the 1990s and try to grab one of those Yellow Pages books and look up things that are spiritually focused, like yoga studios or meditation centers or even Reiki practitioners and so on. They're rare. They're uncommon. I know we don't have these stacks of 
yellow pages anymore, thankfully. But if we were to look at a book today, there would be such a proliferation of these activities and businesses and people out there helping people to understand their consciousness. So that just gives us evidence of how we are in this period of accelerated enlightenment. And as I see it, the universe gives us chances as individuals and globally to wake up, to become aware, to connect to that which is more significant, to reprioritize when we lose our way. And in this period, if we're given opportunity after opportunity, and it's not uniting us, then the opportunities just become grander and grander and grander. And if you really think about it, what better way to give the potentiality of globally uniting all of humanity than something that has no borders, it has no preference? It's kind of making us definitely more unlimited in our interpretation of life, isn't it? Without a doubt. We might have been kind of drawn into the media, a lot of us, to find someone to blame. But a virus is blameless. And that's one of the things that gives it significant opportunity for us to unite instead of divide. The opportunity is there. What we do with it, that's different. That was one of the things I appreciated about it as well. We are once again experiencing another contentious election. (laughs) I mean, it's just a lot of negativity and... There's just a low vibration. There isn't a lot of respect, at least on one side, as one noticed. There seems to be a lot of accelerated, dirty politicking, so to speak. So this election season, another contentious one is upon us, and it's been very negative and divisive, especially on one side. I believe folks were really tuning into it. I've chosen not to, other than to vote and to support different groups and initiatives that are out there initiating the vote, and of course I'm not as focused on the popular vote as I am on the electoral vote, but people are feeling quite afraid and stressed and frustrated. I think there was televangelists, I forgot the name, and they claimed if the current party gets reelected, it will be the end of the world, and that wasn't very comfortable. I mean, it was really interesting. Do you have any advice on how to manage this pre-election and post-election feelings that so many in the country are going through. Yes, I definitely understand how people are feeling, especially, again, when we look at mainstream media does report in a way that's more divisive than even maybe having the journalistic integrity that we witnessed more decades ago. And in the absence of that, people tend to be feeding themselves one side of a story, and that story then becomes more believable because there's no contrast to that story. The thing to remember is when we have some kind of comprehension of what's going on, it's a little bit easier to be calm about it or to kind of ride over the wave of unrest. So comprehension is what I always seek. Like, why is this happening? Along the lines of what I was talking about earlier, about there being this period of accelerated enlightenment, oftentimes for us to determine what our priorities are, we have to be living in the absence of those being a part of our lives. So there's a pendulum almost that swings from one extreme to another. So if we are wanting to be more soulful and we're wanting to be more aligned with the vibration of love, then wouldn't it make sense for us to see less alignment with the vibration of love in order to make an active decision? That's not how we choose to live. And the ensuing results are not how we choose to exist or create the world in which we live. 
And that's what's happening right now is that that pendulum is swinging. It's designed to help people determine for themselves that there is a different choice, that there is a way to be kind and respectful. There is a way to have differing opinions, but not to bash the person with the opposite opinion or the differing opinion. So through comprehension, it also helps us to understand the motivation behind people whose alignment with certain principles or ideas don't align with ours. And the way to really look at that is to figure out what motivates people to have very strong opinions or absolute ideas. And what does motivate people, it's quite simple, that we develop like a selected identity by the time we become adults. And that identity has helped us navigate the specifics of our own childhood experiences. But we're unaware that we are carrying other people's thoughts or expectations until we become more clear about who we are. So when we have this identity, it feels like it is who we are. We don't know that that's not who we are. We don't realize that this has just been the way we've navigated our lives. So we feel we have to protect it because we believe it is who we are. We believe that if something comes into contrast of that idea of who we are, that we're under attack or that there's a threat for our well-being or our survival or our job or our income or our health. So the threat feels real, and that's why people go from one camp to another in extreme, because they actually believe that they are protecting themselves of this unseen harm. And even though the harm was always there, I think we all carried that feeling just personally anyway, right? It took an electoral election, a pandemic, and everything to bring that to our surface to recognize that we are still carrying a lot of old stuff we need to let go of. There's no doubt in my mind about that for sure. So considering, you know, the chaos and everything, I mean, how optimistic are you about the future of our humanity? I have been consistently optimistic about the future of humanity ever since my own first awakening and when I went through the effort of peeling off my own masks and layers and getting back to what I would say is like the essence of my soul. Ever since then, I've been incredibly optimistic. It's a wonderful way to live. And interestingly, what gives credence to it is that, you know, faith doesn't necessarily emerge spontaneously. Sometimes we need to use our intellect and get validation. So the validation for me personally is that anything that I have predicted publicly since I really came forward with this in 2007, everything has happened as I have predicted it. And so the messages that I've been getting from, let's say, 2010 through 2012 especially, they're unfolding as I expected them to unfold. So that does give me great peace that so much of what we're seeing as tumultuous is really important. It's an important step for us to return to the level of connection with ourselves and with each other and with the planet that will bring us joy. Can't necessarily predict the year, but I can certainly witness the trends. I will disagree with anyone that says that humanity is missing and that people Mm -hmm. are, you know, mean. It means you're looking in the wrong places because Mm -hmm. I can find 100 people 
that are living in kindness and compassion for every person that you tell me isn't. But they're not making right. the news. In what way have you changed, let's say, in the last six months during this pandemic? What are some of the changes that you've experienced for yourself so far? That's an interesting question. Thank you for that question. What I found for myself and among my client base is those who have aligned with their own soulful choices, that there have been fewer changes for them than for other people. So my life, per se, day in and day out, has not changed significantly. The thing that has changed is perhaps the topic that I'm managing with audiences and with clients, but my day-to-day experiences have changed very little. You know, there's a little less hustle and bustle of doing live seminars in comparison to doing Zoom. It's a very short walk from my chair to my computer, right? (laughs) But other than that, there hasn't been any significant change. I think there's something to be said about that because it means that the possibility of change that's out there for the globe, it means that it's possible to experience it. Has there been any challenge for you during this particular period, something that you've been finding really hard to embrace? Maybe when it knocks on the door, but then once I settle into it, I can understand its purpose. But I would say probably the the biggest challenge is having my third child as a freshman in college. And he's experiencing very, very strident circumstances. It's certainly not a fun-loving environment. We realized the other day when we were talking, he has not seen an adult in two months except for a security guard or, you know, someone serving food in the dining hall. Not one Mm. adult in two months. How do you think that's affecting us emotionally and psychically? That's, I think, probably the bigger question here is that Mm. I do see that people are readily wanting to preserve the body and taking enormous action for the preservation of the body. But I don't see a lot of enormous action being taken for the preservation of the soul and the mind. So I feel as though mental health has been kind of thrown under the bus through all of this. And find they're all important. The mind and the body and the soul are all important. You know, honestly, what good is living in a body if we don't have any sense of peace or any sense of optimism or hope? or we don't understand how to experience joy. So that is a challenge. Yes, the body, the heartbeat is still beating, and maybe I don't have the virus. But the idea of separation and not being allowed to touch or hug or love and not finding necessarily other ways on a large scale to feel meaningful interactions or to feel valued or visible That, I think, is very, very difficult. I'm glad that my son is incredibly balanced. He may not Mm. love the conditions there, but I know he will be fine, and he is fine. But I don't Mm. know necessarily that every 17- and 18-year-old that goes away to college for the first time has that understanding of themselves in the middle of all this. I think it's frightening, and I think it's scary to have the disappearance of a support system that they can rely on. So what would be the main message that you would leave with our amazing listeners based on just everything that's happening in the world today? What would you 
offers the best advice for all of us to take through the rest of this year and the beginning of next? Probably the number one thing that we can do for ourselves and for others is to find the benefits hidden within every challenge. Instead of listing things that you might be afraid of or things that are scary or things that make you angry or disappointed or disempowered, instead make a list of ways that something happening can create new sparks of strength or courage or perseverance or letting go of things and emptying out old priorities and replacing them with new. So the key is no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if you break an arm or you are wearing a mask for the 11th month in a row, it's to find the benefits in this as possibilities. So you can always see that there's the potentiality of movement forward, not backward, but forward. Good advice. Could you leave us with a website where our listeners can get more information on some of your work or maybe online events? Uh, sure. Uh, anyone can go to KarenGarvey.com. That's K-A-R-E-N. And also I have an online course for improved happiness. Regardless of what level of happiness you have, you can improve it over 90 days, 30 days, 60 days. And that is happy in 90, the digits nine zero. I love that. How did you come up with the nine zero? I was understanding that a lot of people dedicate the pursuit of happiness to thinking it's going to be a decades-long journey. And that mindset will make it a decades-long journey, right? <laughs> so I just wanted people to understand that happiness is a choice, and if you shed the stuff that wasn't serving you and you replace it with life-giving habits, that it can happen in 90 days. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for making us more happy and optimistic. Well, thank you. <laughs> really Thanks for having me. You're doing great <laughs> things out there. We really appreciate it, and all the very best with everything that you're doing, and please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. That was Karen Garvey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed some of the tips and steps that she's given us, lots of good material that we could actually use to navigate during this time. So for more information, Go to seehappyin90.com or just go to karengarvey.com. For more information, of course, play back this show and listen again to all the wonderful stuff that she left us with. You know, it's such a unique time now. It's like you're trying to really find yourself here in a different light. I mean, really find it. So you could really move out, you know, move into the world, into this future with a kind of an energy. It should be a liberating energy. You should feel a whole lot freer than you did pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. So wish everybody for that, for sure. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. I'm going to play There's Only Love by Elizabeth Padilla. She's got a really nice track out there and would love to share that. Take care, all right? Be well, everyone. Moment in this Place. I remember
Sister Jenna, you've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.